0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another new episode of the What the Niche podcast with me, your host, Andrew Morris. I am sorry I missed another week, uh, but as I mentioned before, life as a teacher in the virtual world has been very demanding. But I'm glad to be back this week with another great interview. Before we get into the meat and potatoes, I want to let everyone know just a couple quick things. First, Please continue to share and subscribe to the show. It means a lot to know that so many people are enjoying these great conversations. Second, please head over to the store at whattheniche.net and snag yourself some merch. Next, I will be doing a podcast at the Fright Night Film Festival here in Louisville on October 3rd. Please come out and support a show that was organized by my future guest, Ken Daniels. Actually, next week. He has everything laid out to keep everyone safe and has outlined strict policies for people to wear masks and remain six feet apart to abide by all COVID-19 regulations. I'm looking very forward to talking with some of the great people in attendance and hopefully will be buying more merchandise than I probably need in relation to horror and so on. My interviewee today will also be a guest at this con, so if you enjoy our chat, come out and say hello. Last, be sure to check out another bonus episode this week. In this bonus episode, I'm sharing another great story from my buddy, Eric Chavez. He has really stepped it up with the creep factor on this one. And I think if you're a horror fan, you're going to love it. The story is called Dying of Thirst, and it can be found along with all the other What the Niche episodes. That's all I have for this week. I love all of you for continuing to listen and support something I've wanted to do for a long time. And now, it's on to the episode. In today's episode, we dig into something I spend way too much of my life engaging with, and that is film.
1: Everything you do as an actor ends up taking you somewhere else. I, I think all the all of the emotions that, that you have to go through, whether it's like loving a girl or laughing outrageously at something hilarious, or, you know, everything I've ever done in a film, it requires this... Uh, this getting to some sort of emotional reality that that is contrary to the actual setting that you're in,
0: I feel very lucky that I get to play characters that are so complex, I can't help but love them because they feel real to me. Um, but that's that's most of the roles that i've that I've gotten to play, and you love them because of their flaws, not in spite of them. You have to just sort of feel feel it out, you know, and um take the chances and if you feel like, uh, on some level, it's grounded in some sort of reality, that's really the most important thing. I, I know that sounds like it might be an oxymoron doing this crazy broad character that's grounded in reality, but it actually it is important to understand where the character is coming from, what his motivations are, you know, whether it's jealousy or you know insecurity or whatever it is, and then you just sort of like you know go with that and try to play these crazy big moments in, a, in some sort of real way.
2: My job is p- trying to play a character that will convince people that I'm that person. Uh, if you get a wonderful script like we did on this, um, that's not quite so hard to do, because uh, it's, it's a ready-made story for you, and all you've got to do is to uh, make people believe that you're that person in that circumstance, like any part you play. My preparation is always pretty much the same, regardless of whether it's, um, you know, $150 million film or $1.5 million or whatever it may be. Uh, I've got to do a lot of homework and I've just got to be well-equipped when I come onto the floor and and I want to come onto the floor with ideas and I want to also be well-prepared so I have the ability to have a freedom uh, to explore any avenue on the day and have fun.
1: My grandma, on my mother's side, she had these two dogs, pure bloodhounds. Both came up the same litter. She kept them and gave the rest away to the neighbors. Both known each other since they had shit in their eyes. Neither one ever treated any better than the other one. Gentlest dogs you'd ever care to meet. So anyway, Thanksgiving to my ninth year, these two old dogs are trailing me around because they know the score. I'm a animal lover who never finishes his supper. So right before I get up from the table, I toss these two old-timers a turkey leg attached to a hunk of cartilage. And it was like they'd never met. They wanted each other so ferociously, all tooth and claw and jugular, they forgot anything they ever had in common and scrap like that discard decided between their standing and dying. Oh. People just do the strangest things when they believe they're entitled. But they do even stranger things when they just plain believe.
0: Screen actors possess the power of silver screen hypnosis, wielding their emotions as easily as a painter with a brush. With every twinge of feeling heightened and captured in time, these manipulators of story place us in the hands of affectation as we the malleable audience wait anxiously for the words to tell us how we should perceive the world Unfolding on the 30-foot-tall capsule a performance. Willing sacrifice of attention to those deities of the theatrical realm. Spellbound onlookers submit to a brief amnesia. Forgetting the people we are from 9 to 5. And embracing the possibilities being sold to us. By those wily figures projected larger than life. These heroes of deflection from worry mend our broken hearts with tears soaking our shirts in the dark, soothing our souls through uproarious laughter and bringing us together in shared obsessed fandom. The art of the resuscitation of a tale fails to wane. The mediums may change But the necessity of the distraction persists. So as the curtain falls and the actors take their final bows, I hope they can feel the thunderous applause rising from the reclining seats in the darkness. From a grateful group of onlookers, we thank you. Your stage will always be sacred in the hearts of your adoring viewers. And this brings me to my guest today, John Wells. He is a father, a musician, and a film actor. He has a kind-hearted and warm demeanor, which made our conversation enjoyable and entertaining. And during our chat, we share our thoughts on what it means to be an actor and what are some of the more difficult tasks associated with the art form. I hope you enjoy another great chat with another awesome guest. To lead us off into our chat, I'm sharing a performance by John in the 2014 film The Old Winter.
2: And got cold fast, didn't it? Yeah. Guess it'll be snowing next. That frost was, was heavy on the ground this morning.
3: I thought it was snow when I first seen it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it looked an awful lot like it, didn't it? Walking it for. Okay. Well, we didn't have no other way to get it there. He was uh, he was selling it to a man over here on over here on this side of Bloomfield. Heifer didn't give out. She walked right along with us, the whole way. When we got there, we gave it to the man. He paid us. We turned right around, started walking back.
3: How far was it?
2: about 30 miles I suspect one way
3: john wells i am an actor artist uh father first and foremost and
0: um hi <laughs> beautiful uh i love putting people on the spot with that i'm like go ahead and introduce yourself <laughs> and 30 seconds or less and go uh, i feel like that on the uh the first day of school as a teacher i'm like i'm blah 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 and then you you're just like you feel like an idiot i don't know the yeah the- it's
3: like you're, you're sitting through your pocket to slap a label on yourself what is the one that's most mistake <laughs> but
0: and you're like, which one of these is most me? Damn it. Right. Yeah. I know there'd be a
3: quiz. And three words or less. What are you?
0: I right um, So you are somebody who I was, your name was passed along to me by several people. I mentioned this to you uh, right before we started. Uh, Nathan Thomas Milner was one of those. Um, you had done some work with him and he spoke very highly of you. Uh, and I was uh, glad to finally be able to get to sit down with you. Um, because I've been wanting to get some film actors. Uh, I'm a theater actor, so I have a bunch of those people that I've talked to. Uh, so I'm oh. glad to finally get a, a great film actor on here.
3: Well, thank you, man. I'm, I'm very happy to be on here. It's very kind of Nathan to, to speak so well of me, That's uh, he's a good guy. I had a good time working with him. And so that's, that's cool to hear.
0: Yeah. He's a talented, multi-talented, um, annoyingly. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those guys I'm like watching him paint, uh, he does those live streams. If you guys, um, any listeners, the previous episode, uh, one of the previous episodes I did with, with Nathan, uh, he does live streams of his painting and things of that nature, director, writer, just brilliant guy. Uh, very thoughtful, awesome dude. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're here to, to get into you, man. So, um, I think it's a, a fun question always to find out what are some of the misconceptions associated with, uh, the different niches of the people. Uh, that come on here. And I think with acting, there's probably something that you've encountered if I, if I had to guess.
3: The miscon man, with, uh, I mean, with film acting, film acting is such a, a weird thing socially, especially when you live in somewhere like Kentucky. I don't think it's something that you run into so much if you live out West, but when you're out here where there's really, I mean, very few actors, uh, film actors living in, living in Kentucky. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, You know, there's a bunch of us kind of hiding around, but it's not something you you run into a lot uh, because film acting is such a, you know, West Coast thing or, you know, up in New York or it's just in Kentucky, not so much. So when you tell someone that you're an actor, there's really two extremes that people assume. Either you're like this rich and famous Hollywood A-lister or you're like this struggling, you know, dirt poor you know, uh, a community theater actor and there's no gray area in between when in truth, that's where, that's where most working actors exist is in that kind of gray area. So when I introduce myself to people and well, what do you do well, I'm an actor, you always get this either, Oh my God, that's amazing. That's so cool. Or you get the, you get the, Oh, Oh, well, how's that? How's that <laughs> working for you? You know? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's working fine. You just, you just, you know, or the of course there's always the what have what have i seen you in um probably nothing but that doesn't mean i'm not working so
0: yeah that and uh i've talked about this quite a bit it it's such a strange phenomenon that people have this feast or famine mentality um that you're either super successful at it or you should just not even bother doing it yeah well uh, it's just
3: it's it's uh, uh, ignorance sounds like such a such a negative word, but it's it's just lack of knowledge about yeah. the industry because there's the the industry has not really gotten its foothold here um in this region so it just people just they they just don't know
0: yeah, and we've had some sprinklings you know where they uh, they just did Mom and Dad here a couple years ago with Nicolas Cage uh, that was filmed entirely in Louisville. Uh, they've done some other ones. Uh, I forget the film. Steven Seagal did one. I think it's Fire Down Below. Yeah, well, uh, we had we had day. a
3: really great uh, film incentive going here for a while, and um, it was just just kind of starting to get the ball rolling and bringing more um, legitimate film work into the into the state uh, when the when the incentive was yanked, um, mm-hmm. and it just it killed it before it even really got on its feet, which is a huge bummer, and uh, it hurt hurt a lot of my, you know, is. Um, you know, as in, from an acting standpoint, it wasn't really, uh, cause they weren't doing a lot of casting locally. They're still bringing most of their main talent out of LA. They were mostly only casting extras and stuff locally, which I don't do, but, um, so it didn't really affect me, but a lot of my friends who do production work, man, it, it, uh, it hit them pretty hard. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that's something we can get, you know, bring some life back into is, is get that, get that film, uh, tax incentive back and, Hopefully, try to start rolling some more work in.
0: Yeah, that'd be nice because I mean, uh, there's been cities. I think it's what Montreal—that's sort of the new Hollywood, uh, where they've incentivized a lot of the things that uh, filmmakers are able to come in and do. It's very cheap to shoot there. I mean, yeah, well, Atlanta,
3: Atlanta, just you know, just south of us, Atlanta is a massive hotbed uh, for film production. I mean, that's that's where a lot of the Marvel movies are shot. That's where a lot of television work is um it's really kind of become the second hollywood in the states and then you know with with you know um, with the internet and and production being so much cheaper than it used to be i mean really i mean you can you can shoot stuff anywhere so i mean there's film productions all over the country at all times uh we just you know we just still we still have those hotbeds and of course hollywood still kind of has that that uh, that grip on the heart of it but it it is branching out more and more
0: yeah, it almost feels more more of a grassroots type thing, um, you know, because now there's there's in your pocket you have access to something that shoots in 4K, and right. you've yeah. seen those film festivals that do uh, films that are all shot on a phone, and uh, people put out some quality product. Um, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. So oh, yeah. I mean,
3: cameras. Cameras have become so much, uh, so much more affordable. Production equipment in general, um, obviously, as technology improves, it all becomes so much more accessible, and uh, and smaller, which makes it way easier to to, to produce things. And there's uh, there's kind of saying the saying in the industry is one of the great things about technology is it means that uh, you know, just about anybody can be a filmmaker. But it's also kind of the, it goes to the reverse. The bad thing about the technology is is everybody's trying to be a filmmaker. So.
0: Yeah. You end up with, uh, that Netflix effect as I call there's, it.
3: There's way,
0: way, way more
3: content, but out there, I mean, so much more content is being produced. Um, you know, and, and just at an exponential rate, it's just, it's just snowballing. There's so much stuff being produced. Uh, but so much of it is at such an amateur level that you really have to sift through a lot of, a lot of the production stuff to, to figure out what's what's really of quality. Um, which is, you know, it's a, it's a good and a bad thing.
0: Yeah. And oftentimes we, I find myself spending more time trying to figure out something to watch, uh, than I do watching things sometimes (laughs) just because you're like overwhelmed, you know, you have Hulu and Amazon and Netflix and HBO go or HBO max, whatever the hell I've yet to kind of figure that what out that, what that is yet. Um, but there's like all these different streaming services, you have shutter, which is only horror. Um, mm. I'm a big fan of Shudder just because I'm a horror freak. And, um, it's funny but, you mentioned that. I just, just today
3: signed up for shutter to, to start to watch that, uh, uh, blood machines thing. Oh my there.
0: God. Have you seen this? Yes. It was incredible. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. A free plug for for shutter. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, blood machines just dropped, I think last week or the week before, um, I had someone turn me on to that. I don't know uh, if you're familiar with him. Uh, his name's Braxton Gaither. He's a local artist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know Braxton very well. Yeah, great guy. <laughs> yeah. Very, also another highly talented guy. Oh, my God, I know. Yeah, crazy talented. Um, and uh, he turned me on to it. He sent me the music video. Uh, what is it? The Turbo Killer? Yes. Uh, music video, <laughs> which is somehow part of the story. Uh, it's like I, a I, trilogy man, story.
3: I, I'm still trying to... Th- I, it's It's so psychedelic and and just bonkers but it's so beautiful to look at and honestly man, that the, the soundtrack is just so <sighs> rad it, it's it's just like watching a, a really cool really long music video and yeah it, just, it, it kicks a lot of ass man I mean it's, it's one of those things I can't fully decide whether it's like this brilliant masterpiece or just an utter train wreck, but I love it.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the it's it's not for everybody, but I'm, I'm digging it. The visuals are outstanding. Uh, there's oh, nothing. Yeah. I don't understand how they did that on a micro budget. Uh, yeah. Extremely low
3: budget. And it's, it's crazy. Crazy. It's a lot of green screen and, it, you know, and, not not all of it is pristine, <laughs> no. but uh, for the budget that they're working with, man, they are creating some really ambitious, really cool visuals.
0: Yeah. So note to people, go check it out. Blood Machines, Shudder. <laughs> um, so I know that uh, I was talking to you a little bit about this. I was saying that your uh, IMDb, IMDB page looks something like uh, Steve Buscemi or something with how much you've been working. <laughs> and uh, I was like, damn, he's in like everything of the things that you've done and it doesn't have to be, um, within, within film either. Um, what is your greatest accomplishment at this moment?
3: Um, man, I mean, I, I hate to, I, I hate to even do that. Um,
0: I know it's tough. Yeah. If you you can't give me a a one answer, you can give me several.
3: I can't. Well, I mean, I, I, so many of them are really important to me and, um, you know, each one is kind of a stepping stone to other things. So it's, it's all just kind of a web and they, they all, uh, you know, you, when they're creative projects like this, you, you leave a little piece of yourself in all of them. So they're all kind of your baby in a way. Um, over time was the first thing that I did that really kind of legitimized me as, as a working actor. Um, and from that, I was able to, that that's kind of what really got my career moving, um, so that one is particularly important to me. Of course, I watch it now and I'm like, oh my God, I, I, it's, it's, you know, there's there, there's a lot I love about it, but um, but I, I do not love my own contributions to it. I was, I was obviously very, very green, very amateur, and I didn't really know what I was doing yet. Um, and then there's other things like uh, The Old Winter, where I spent such a vast amount of time uh, invested in this character that uh, it really, I learned so much from it. Um, both as a human being and, and as an actor, um, just because I was so immersed in it for such a, cause I worked on that film for, um, about a year and a half, uh, which is, yeah, that's a, it's a phenomenal, uh, length of time to spend on. And I was working on other things while, you know, I, uh, while I was doing it, but, um, it was just, it was a, it was a very, 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 uh, epic production, um, and um, uh, probably one of the most significant things that I did that I, I guess I have to uh, I have to give credit to was when I played uh, Patrick Henry for the um, Legends and Lies show for Fox, uh, and I was uh, I delivered you know I got to deliver the whole Liberty or Death speech, which was you know as an actor that's that's such an important, um, very weighty <laughs> piece of material to cover. So that was I felt like that was a huge honor and responsibility. Um, that uh, that I kind of took uh, took in my hands there, so that was that was an important one as well. But uh, you know, I mean, I mean, they, they all mean a lot to me. Um, so I, I I don't know, I, I can't just pick one thing, man. I, I wish I could.
0: Yeah, and I <laughs> I wish I,
3: I, I wish you know, I kind of wish I had that one big epic role that I could really say this was this is my you know uh daniel radcliffe's harry potter or uh you know, something <laughs> like that. but i don't you know i don't have uh anything that self-defining i'm I'm lucky enough that i've my career has been um diverse enough that most of the stuff i do is, is very different from the previous so uh it it's uh you know there's there's a lot of variety in and the uh genres that i've played and the types of roles that i've been cast in so um, that's, I, I consider that to be a, a, a real blessing.
0: Do you think it's a blessing that you're getting the roles themselves or are you thankful to not be stuck and, you know, as tight cast as we so often refer to where you get stuck playing the same role? Are you, are you happy to play the varying roles?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong I mean, being typecast and I have been typecast before, uh, for sure. But, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, being cast is always a good thing. So, I mean, if you're being typecast, that means you're being cast and you're getting work and that's, that's a beautiful thing. But obviously, I mean, you know, I, I, the thing I love so much about acting is the, the stretching of yourself and the, the exploration and experimentation and, uh, taking yourself out of your comfort zone and being forced into these positions where you've, you've really got to. Um, kind of dig into your own psychology and the psychology of, of, of your character and, and find these common grounds. And uh, you know, it's, it really is sort of the, the ultimate exercise in empathy. So when, um, you know, when you're handed these, these roles that are so different from what you're used to or, or what you've done prior or different from yourself, it, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's very exciting creatively. Uh, so I, I do, I am very grateful um, that I've had such a, such a broad spectrum of, of, uh, characters. And I, hopefully that, that continues. Cause that's, that to me is the biggest thrill is when I get handed a script and I, I'm, I'm reading my part. I realize this is, this is so not what I'm used to. Um, cause it's, it's, it's a challenge and it's, uh, it's, it's just a lot more fun for me anyway.
0: What does your process look like? I know that, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of actors take different, Uh, different approaches to things like, uh, of course, you have the Daniel Day-Lewis approach, which is full immersion, disappear to Holland to make shoes for a (laughs) year for a role. Uh, And I know that you said that you're doing multiple things at once. Do you find it difficult um, to jump into those different characters when you're playing them simultaneously? What What does that process look like for you?
3: Well, it's, it's not that often I'm doing two things at once. I mean, I've, I've done it before, but, uh, but generally speaking, I'm, I'm completely dedicated to, to a single part at a time. Um, now, granted, they may jump back to back pretty quickly. Uh, as far as my, my, my process for, for character development and immersion, it really, and I think it has to um, vary greatly depending on the project, the character, and the production. Because uh, a lot of times you don't have much time for preparation. Sometimes you, you know, sometimes I'll have a whole year to kind of um, create this character and and figure out who they are and create their mannerisms. Um, sometimes you know, it, uh, oh hey, we need you, we need you tomorrow on set. Uh, we've got you know, we got you for three days. This is your character, and you don't, you know, you don't have that luxury. Um, And then it just, it also depends on the character itself. Sometimes it's, it it is something that you, you know, I'll, I'll read and I say, you know, this is, this is something I really need to, I really need to live in for a while. Um, you know, I'll give one example. Uh, I, I just, um, I did a a TV series. Uh, it's a faith based end of times, sort of post-apocalyptic series called the dark. And, uh, I play this, uh, really, really, I, really, really great character. Um, you know, he, he's, he's kind of the, the dark roguish guy in, uh, in this survivalist group. And, uh, upon reading the script, um, there was a lot of heavy material and, and I realized we were going to be shooting for a length of time. So, uh, we had this wonderful, um, luxury of being immersed in this, uh, landscape for so long, you know, we were, we were in the, uh, in the environment, which, which makes it so much more immersive. And a lot of times just being in, in that actual environment can kind of help shape a character in itself. So it just, it really depends on the, on the manner of the production and, and the role itself. But, um, you know, as far as my preference, I like to have that time, uh, beforehand to really think about the character, read over the stuff, familiarize myself with it and create that backstory in my mind and do kind of my emotional homework for the character so that when I get there, I can just kind of be.
0: Yeah. And and I think you touched on something that I, I had found for myself uh, in my brief return to being on the stage is every little thing that they add for you, like costume and setting, all of those things, like every time there would be something added, it would add something to my character.
3: Oh yeah. Um, they say the costume makes the character. That's, that's kind of a, that's, mm-hmm. that's an ongoing kind of, um, in, actor in joke. And it, it, there is so much actual truth to it. And one example that I, I, I like to use, uh, I did a movie called loss prevention. Um, and I played this principal bad guy very very mouthy very a uh, lot of dialogue a lot of monologues he's kind of a bond villain and that he just he just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks way too much um but that's part of his character and i had this uh i had the script for God, probably a whole year before production and i had this character so mapped out and uh, you know i had all of his mannerisms down i knew exactly how i was going to do it and uh, you know he was just this this you know cool as ice guy and um I show up on set for the first day and they, in my costume is, you know, they, they put me in these brown, um, corduroy pants and I've got these glasses and this plug and they put me in like a man bun. And it's just, it was completely radically different from how I was envisioning him, uh, aesthetically. And then, uh, you look, Brian like Cunningham, a,
0: you look like the co-owner of a whole foods. You're like, this is it, it was not what i very think.
3: hipster. He was very hipster. And, uh, Brian Cunningham pulls me aside he was, he was, um, the, the DP and, uh, he was one of the, the, the writers and, and co-directors and he grabbed me and he said, look, uh, uh, some of the actors are playing their parts a lot more straight and, and kind of serious than what we had, uh, kind of thought. We want you to take yours. And he just grabs me by the shoulders and he just says, just chew the scenery. Which, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't know that term, that basically, that's a, that's an acting term for basically ham it up. So, he, he, the, the, I was basically just told go crazy big with this guy. So it was completely radically different from how I had been planning this character for a whole year. And my my first scene that we shot was this big monologue, and I it just and it, everything just clicked with the costume and. The, the, the setting and I just this this nasally voice came out of me and this this weird kind of um, speech pattern and he, he was just he was like a big obnoxious car salesman and uh, very very kind of over the top and cartoony but it's it somehow worked and it was a lot of fun and I, I played the, I played the whole part like that and it, uh, it just just worked sometimes things just happen like that organically you know you can plan it and you can you can overthink it and then once you get on set, you just open your mouth and, and it just it just happens the way that it should.
0: Yeah, because not only you talked about, you know, the director realizing that everybody played the characters differently than <clears throat> than they had expected. And a lot of times that'll throw you too. You know, the person that you're, you know, working with, you know, maybe you're the, the antagonist and your protagonist is completely different than what you had in yeah, your so mind. I mean, you you have <laughs> to
3: balance and you have to you have yeah. to play off each other and you you've got to find that dynamic that works. Because um, if you if you, you can have two characters together, and if they don't have an interesting kind of that 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 dynamic, that contrast, it's uh, it's you know it's it's not going to be it's not going to be interesting on screen.
0: Yeah, that's for me. I think good film and good stage acting for me that's one of the more the most beautiful arts for me, just because it is so uh, push and pull. It is such a, a team oriented thing. And Very much, yeah there's so many things that you can get to happen to make you fail. And, um, everybody has to be there together. And, uh, it's kind of the beauty of it. And it is, it is, it's very much a team sport. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I hate to, I hate to preach on this all the time, but you know, when we, we talk about integrating these things in education and it, it just bums me out when they so frequently, that's one of the first things that they want to cut, uh, is the, you know, the performing arts and things of that nature. And I'm just like, you know, yeah. you're really doing a disservice to so many of the kids that need this this medium, this this outlet, because they might not have another one.
3: And it's such it's such a wonderfully healthy thing uh, because it really does help open people up and and give give weirdos a sense of community. And that's that's one of the things I think is most beautiful about what we do is acting and, and filmmaking and theater it's such an eclectic group of outcasts who have kind of found each other. And uh, it, you know, for me, who is such this awkward, introverted kid, uh, you know, I just, I, I was always so uncomfortable in my own skin. And I, once I kind of fell into acting and it just kind of realized that it just gives you this freedom to kind of explore yourself and, and to express yourself in ways that I've never been, Comfortable doing because I've never had an excuse to do it, you know. And suddenly, you know, I can I can do these things. I can say these things, these radical things that are so not me because it's not me, and it's so freeing. And and finding these other people who who kind of get that and uh, understand that it's it's a it's a really beautiful thing. Um, just the the, the overall sense of community and in artistic um, kind of symphonies like that. Uh, my daughter. Um, Recently, she's my daughter. is very, very shy, and very, she's very, very creative, and she's very unique, and uh, has this wonderful, enormous personality. But she is so, so very shy. Uh, but just this last year, she she kind of, you know, she built up enough courage to go to her first little audition for um, for a local community theater, and she's just completely fallen in love with it. Uh, and it just it gives her this wonderful outlet, and I've never seen her so proud or ex- as excited as the way she is when she's involved in, in a production and just seeing something, give her that sense of confidence. Um, you know, I mean, she's, she's not going to, she's not going to get that anywhere else. You know, it's, it's, it's different than, than um, you know, cause she's, she's done team sports and she's done other stuff like that. It just, it, it wasn't the same. This, this just lit a fire for her and just opened her up. Uh, in a way that i'd never seen, and it was really, really gratifying as a father to see her find that and to see her find so much joy and and self confidence and um, self love and something you know so and that's that's what that 's what theater and and the arts give us and I, it's just it's such a precious thing and it 's really something that I think is often taken for granted
0: yeah there's there's for me I found it to be one of the more um, most greatest senses of community in anything that I've done um, because you do depend on everyone uh, from the light guy to the costume designer to the co-star that you're working beside. Everybody is important. Absolutely. And you all have the same goal in mind. You know, you want to put on the best show that you can. Mm -hmm. uh, And I don't think it's very rare that you run into somebody that, you know, doesn't have their, the best intentions for the show. and You can take those people who are um, introverts, you know, and that I think that's going back to misconceptions. I find that sometimes people just assume that you're this big character on stage. And I was taken back by this a couple of times with some of uh, the people that were in the shows that I did. Because I am extraordinarily extroverted. I wouldn't be doing a a thing that I talk to people if I wasn't. (laughs) Um, But some of the people that were these big, boisterous characters on stage, and then they would go backstage and they would just sit there. And I would often come to them and I'd be like, Are you okay? Like, is everything okay? They're like, Oh, yeah, I'm great. And then they would just (laughs) go back to their zoning out. And it wasn't even like, I'm like, Are you like in the zone, like prepping for your role? They're like, No, no, I'm just chilling. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, to me, it was so weird because you know I am this outgoing, crazy person, and uh, just to see them just chilling, I'm like, okay, okay,
3: okay. Yeah, I think that's 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 very. I
0: can relate to that very much. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it, and I just think it's it's so great to give those people to have that opportunity to be something other than themselves. Um, so that they can use that as a as a, a method by which to explore things about themselves that they might not have had the opportunity to otherwise.
3: It is. Um, it's it's enormously therapeutic, um, and I'm enormously therapeutic. It it does uh, it it genuinely I think does wonders for for just mental health. It's it's such a wonderful outlet, and uh, man, it's I I can't I can't imagine not having. Some type of creative outlet like this. I think I, would, uh, you know, I mean, if I go a couple months between gigs, you know, kind of like I just, you know, just coming out of with the whole COVID thing, you know, which all of us are. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I, I go through these lulls of depression when I don't have that something where I can kind of sink my mind into and, you know, so that, that I can get excited about and creative with. Uh, so, I, I, I just, I think it's, it's so, it's so good for people. You know, some people just and Sure. It's not for everybody, but some people really, I think really, really do need it and benefit from it.
0: You brought up something in there and I'm curious where you talked about it being therapeutic and you talked about it uh, for you being like a form of catharsis in a way. And I wonder where that line is because we've seen some unfortunate situations where, uh Heath Ledger and uh, some other characters have mm, you know sort of put themselves in a role and i feel like it may have contributed to some underlying damage do you think that there there is a way for people to like dive too deep into a character cuz I, I know that jack nicholson had said going to be cryptic completely thing. honest
3: with you um, Go ahead. i think um Certainly, you know, I think we, you know, if we, we dig too deep into a dark place for a while, I mean, certainly some things can happen. I think in places like Heath Ledger, uh, I think the media really kind of ran with that a lot more than, than what actually happened. Heath Ledger was a young, very good looking, up and coming star who had just done, you know, the role of his career that was going to really launch him into the stratosphere. And dude is in the the Hollywood party scene you know, there's so, (laughs) the Hollywood party scene is a hideous, um, hideous place filled with just so much drugs uh, coming from so many different directions. People don't, people taking bills, they don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, And, you know, he he just, I, I, I think that the guy just was just very unfortunate and just took too much of something. And, you know, I don't, Because he he had already he had already started and was well into production on uh, Doctor Parnassus, which was a very totally different role, a very completely different role, and his his headset was already somewhere pretty different. Uh, Did he go really deep, really dark with the Joker? I'm 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 sure he did, but um, you know, is that enough to really? I think for that to drive someone that deep into such a dark place that where that their their life you know to really threaten their life i think they would already kind of have to be there you know i i think that that seed would already kind of have to have been planted long 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 ago um that's just that's just me i mean i've i've gone look i'm i've gone pretty deep into some stuff you know and it i've done some really really dark stuff on screen that that you know may have kept me up for a couple nights after but uh but at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm still me. And I think anyone who's got a pretty solid head on their shoulders, and I think he Ledger did, uh, you know, I think, you know, we all keep some, some degree of anger in, in reality.
0: Yeah. I, I felt the same way. I was just curious because, you know, that had, that had been something that was talked about, you know, on quite the scale there for yeah. a while, once that had happened. And I think that, it was unfortunate. I think the tragedy of such a young, talented actor was totally sad. sad.
3: And and from yeah. what I, from what everything that I've heard, he was he was a really good guy, and he was uh, extraordinarily talented. Obviously, he did a lot of great stuff, and uh, you know I I loved a lot of his work prior to the Joker. Uh, oh, Night's Tale and, is one of my yeah, favorite yeah, movies. Night's Tale is great. So good. Yeah, he's just he's, he he was. But you know, they knew that the Joker was was going to really really launch him. And uh, he knew, and, you know, he was just, he was, he was partying it yeah. up, like, like young, good looking people in Hollywood do. And, you know, the, the partying got the better of him. It's, it's a very sad thing, but it happens, happens to a, a lot of people and it's, it's always tragic. I don't think, uh, I don't think the psychology of the Joker got to him so much as, as the hype and the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the potential, um, career explosion, uh, is really what kind of just, you know, I kind of just party too much, too hard, too fast.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, it seems as though that regardless of the role that, you know, I think that you have to be a very empathetic person to be a decent actor. That's seemingly to me, of course, this is my own perception. Um, but mm-hmm. it seems like the greats are all very empathetic. I mean, you, you see Dustin Hoffman when he sits down for an interview. I mean, he's, uh, a very caring person. Tom Hanks is very much that way. Uh, when you talk, you see Denzel Washington speak, uh, Jack Nicholson might be on the border. Uh, he's good. I think you,
3: you have to be, and you have to be passionate. Um, yeah. I mean, God, I mean, if you're not passionate, no one's going to want to watch you, uh, for one. Um, but I, have always said that, that acting is really, it's the ultimate exercise in empathy. You know, I mean, that's, that's literally our job is to get inside someone else's head and find a way to connect to them enough to make it, to take their words and make it sincere. And the way, you know, and the only way to really make a performance sincere is, you know, it's, you have to feel it. If you're not feeling it, then it's not going to read believable um, on screen. So you, when, when, you know, people say, oh, you know, I, you, you really looked angry I was I was angry, you know, how do you, how do you fake cry? I don't, brother, I don't fake I cry. cry. I, I get, I go there and yeah. I go there. And uh, those, those tears are from, from anguish that, uh, you know, if you see my heart breaking on screen, it's cause my heart is breaking with that camera in my face. Um, and you to to go there, you have to you have to find a way to connect to that character. And it's it's really just a find a way of finding a common bond behind all living creatures. You got you've got to find that that common ground. Whether you're playing some you know, whether you're playing uh, you know this this monstrously horrible person, and you just think you know, you know oh I've got, I have to play Hitler. How am I gonna how am I gonna make how am I gonna connect to this? you know, like the worst of the worst people. I have nothing. In common. You gotta, you gotta find some place to start. Um, you know, as a human being, you've got to find some place to start with some kind of common ground and figure out, uh, where you can connect. And, you know, then you kind of explore from there. And it's, it doesn't necess- it doesn't mean you have to, you have to like the character that you play. And I play lots of characters that are just horrible awful people that I, I just, I, if, if they were real, I would spit them in their face. They're just the worst, but you still have to find a way to, to bring some sincerity to them. So you, you've got to, you, you got to find that common thread.
0: And I think that that connection to the humanity of the person that we are outside of that character is what makes that, that character go from a, a decent two dimensional character. That's sort of, a stereotypical villain to a great three dimensional character, where you see, like, uh, or, uh, Javier Bardoom's character in No Country for Old Men. It takes yeah. you from a decent villain to an amazing villain. The scene in the, the gas station where he asks the man to call the coin, not realize the guy not realizing that the coin toss is a call for his life those little subtleties that he's able to pull in from his, you know, still being a decent human. He Mm -hmm. understands the things that he should do in that scene that are going to be the most obscene because he is a decent person and he knows the things that would terrify him. He knows the things that would upset him. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my all time favorite scenes. Oh, it's so good. So, good. and for me, you know, I'm like you, you know, I get red when I get angry. Uh, you know, my, my blood pressure grows up, you know, and I was a villain, you know, had to come out and threaten to kill everybody. And uh, that's, that's a weird headspace to put yourself in one minute before you walk out on stage when you were just cutting up with the people that you're about to go threaten to murder. Uh, and they're your friends. And then you got to come out and make them cry, you know, and I know that if, if she's going to put on a good performance, then I need to sell it. I need to come out and give it to her so that she has something to work with. Uh, and if I feel her, she looks like shit, you know, so that comes <laughs> yeah. back to that push and pull thing. So I got to come out mad. And I'm thinking of like, <laughs> I'm literally in my head right before I walk out. I'm like, all right. Uh, things that are aggravating me, you know, that day, oh, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have said this over for Richard's head off. And then, you know, you're out, you're already talking through gritting teeth and you're, yeah, you, you have to sincerely be
3: in that moment. And yeah, uh, I, it's, you know, it, it, and again, it goes back to that whole, you know, how do you fake this or how do you how do you how do you act mad? It's you, you've got to be it. You've got to you have to believe in the material that that you're you're portraying enough that you can you can be in that moment, uh, you know, because we're, we're human beings and we watch human beings be you know behaving as human beings all day long. And when something's off, we know. You know, we know there. There are you know. There's even physical you know physiological cues that, that we read on people's faces that we don't even realize that we're reading um, when someone's angry and you know they see the the veins popping or you know and you see the redness swelling in the eyes when they're when they're heartbroken. You know, without them even saying a word or whether it be you know a twitch of the eye that you know a, a subtle squint that that gives some type of. These, you know, all these physiological cues that that speak so much more than than even the dialogue. If those things aren't on point, that the audience is not going to—they're not going to buy it. They're they're not going to buy it. And, you know, we we know human beings. We connect with human beings. We we connect with human beings' emotion. And if that emotion is not genuinely there, then the audience is they they've—you've already lost them.
0: Yeah, and I know that uh, I'm not much of a drinker. Um, so sometimes when I one of my favorite things. I guess it's, it is influenced by that very thing that you're talking about. I love people watching because I love to see, I build stories in my head. Like as I'm watching conversations unfold, I'm watching their mannerisms. I'm watching their expressions. I might sit at a table quietly while other people are sharing drinks and things of that nature, my friends. And I'll just zone out and be like, what is this story at the bar? You know, you're watching this girl's face and then you're watching his face and a slight touch of the shoulder. And I I pay attention to all those things. And I love those subtleties when an actor is able to bring in the little stuff on screen. Because, you know, that's the beauty of on-screen acting is all the little things, which is also the odd disconnect with stage. And, with stage, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think Nathan touched on that. He had a wonderful stage actor who came on and he's like, I am here for you! And everybody's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's,
3: it's, a yeah. very, it's a very different yeah. style of acting.
0: Very yeah, so. and yeah. the guy had been stage acting for 20 years and he could not turn it off. Yeah. And uh, he was like, it was unfortunate that it couldn't work. Um, but that's what he was trained to do. It was a muscle that he couldn't necessarily turn off. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I love those subtle things. You know, when when great actors do those little things, uh, when Tom Hanks played Forrest Gump, uh, I actually met somebody from Alabama. I ain't going to drop no names. But, dude, he talked just like Forrest Gump. Mama Mike, <laughs> it's real good, ma'am. I like to thank you, ma'am. And I was like, me and my wife looked at each other. We're like, he talks like Forrest Gump. And he's from Tuscaloosa. (laughs) You're like, so you knew that Tom Hanks legit went down there. This wasn't just something that he created. There was a truth to this. And that's what makes a role beautiful is that truth. Like you said, if you're not, if there's not something set in reality to that human beings, I don't think necessarily have a reference point. And a lot of times it's when you get characters that are new and unique, you get pushback, maybe like Rocky horror, you know, with Tim Curry's, you know, yeah, frankenfurter's character you were like what the hell is this <laughs> you know and it can be off-putting because you're like i've never met anybody like that in my life right. so that's what makes it fun you know certainly yeah so um i know that you've been involved with this for a little while now um, and i know that you've done a lot of different things i'm always curious to see people's perceptions of how the things are involved with have changed over the time in which they've been involved with it, and I think with film, you could go on quite a bit of a tangent with this one.
3: Uh, how how uh, film has changed since I've yeah. Yeah. since I've become involved. Um, well, we're at such this uh, this transitional period right now. Um, I mean, even before you know the, the pandemic has. I mean, the pandemic has made such a massive impact on the entertainment industry. But even prior to that, uh, with the birth of of streaming services. Mm. Uh, it's it's just such uh, a, a time of um, uncertainty. You know, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen um, with uh, distribution and things like that. We don't know where, if theaters are going to be around in the next ten years. Uh, it's just su- such a such a strange time of transition. Um, and every year, it's just it's it's changing more and more. And again, it comes back to um, you know, there's so much more content being created. Uh, and so much more content to sift through, Uh, it it does mean that there's a lot more, a lot more production work to be found. Um, So there's a lot more opportunities, but a lot of those opportunities are not necessarily great opportunities. There's a a lot of, uh, there's a lot of shady stuff out there. Um, More and more every year, it feels like there's a lot of, a lot of amateur, uh, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with being an amateur. Obviously, that's where everyone starts, but there's, uh, it's, um, amateurs with delusions of grandeur, uh, is what becomes dangerous because there, there are so many, um, a lot of amateur filmmakers who claim to be the next big thing, or they, they're doing this and they've got this big production. They're going to, you know, I'm going to make you a star and you know, we've got this much money when well, they don't have any money and, and it's a lot of empty promises. There's a lot of that that you have to kind of familiarize yourself with and kind of, uh, you know, um, it it takes it just takes time and experience to really kind of figure that out and uh, it's 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 just such a weird time for film, man. It really is. But uh, ultimately, I'm 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 becoming a lot more choosy of uh, the stuff that I do. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm I hate to say it, but you know, I'm I'm doing a lot more uh, a lot more paycheck work. You know, it, it's it's <laughs> you know, I, I have to make sure that it's the, the role pays adequately. Um, a lot less of kind of oh that's a wonderful creative project oh you don't have any money well no, I'd still love to be involved so I'll you know I'll donate my time I can't do that kind of stuff as much as I used to be able to, um, which which kind of sucks but you know I, you know I I have kids man so I, I have bills and, and babies to feed and stuff so
0: right and and I wouldn't sweat it I mean there's always some wonderful young up and coming person who, you know who's willing to pay their dues. But it's it's interesting that you said, you know, these big these big personalities, you know, who are, you know, ahead of what they they feel like they're doing and maybe fibbing to themselves. But, you know, at the same time, it's kind of odd because that's sort of the mentality that you need to have, is that this thing that I'm making is going to be the next big thing. Uh, and this is going to be great. Because if you don't have that, then you definitely, I think you, yeah.
3: you, you absolutely have to believe in what you're, what you're creating, but you, you know, it's, I think it, it's there's, there's line. just, there's way too many filmmakers uh, who are kind of, you know, they buy their camera and they're, you know, now they're a filmmaker because they have a camera <laughs> and, you know, they don't, there's so much more to it than just having a great idea. You know, um, having a great idea does not mean you have a good script. Having a great story does not mean you have a good script. You know, uh, it's there's so much more to to creating a good script than you know. I've, I've heard so many people pitch these wonderful ideas to me of, oh my god, that that sounds like an amazing project, and then I get the script, like it's just not <laughs> well executed. You know, and dialogue god, that's that's the biggest thing is is writing interesting, compelling, and believable dialogue uh, yeah. is is one of the hardest things in the world to do, and people don't realize how difficult that is, and it is so hard to write. Interesting, compelling, yet believable
0: dialogue. Um,
3: Tarantino's
0: and, and, made a life on it.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's uh, that, that guy's. Um, his his dialogue is is un- unbelievable. Uh, obviously, and, you know, I, I just I, I I wish people would enter the industry with less ego and more willingness to learn and more willingness to be a student um, because we all have to remain students at all times. And you know, none of us are are. Ever, even even if we are a master, we're not a master. You know, there's always, there's always so much more to learn. And, you know, you, you've got to come in without an ego. You have to be willing to work on, you know, if you're a filmmaker, you have to work on other people's sets, man. You know, work on other people's films. Learn, you know, learn how other people do things. And you will, you will be such so much better for having worked with other people and learned from other people and other sets than, than you will just coming in thinking you know everything and thinking you have everything that you need to do. Uh, to, to, to do, to make your film, you, 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 don't, you know, you, you've got to, you got to cut your teeth. You got to learn things. You got to learn how things are done. Um, and I, I don't just mean like industry protocol. Cause I don't, I don't care about that stuff, you know, just artistically. And from a technical standpoint, realize people, you know, filmmakers do these things on camera because it works, because that's what audiences connect with. And that's what keeps, keeps audience interested. Uh, you know, it, a lot of these things aren't just formula for formula's sake. It's because that's what we as, as people, as audiences, that's, that's what works for us. Um, so just, you know, if, if you, if you want to, if you want to get into the industry, you know, just be willing to learn and be, be willing to, to have an open mind and don't, Don't assume you know how to do everything because you, you don't, you've got a lot to learn. I don't care. I don't care how great you are, how much you've already learned. You still have so much more to learn. I have so much more to learn. You know, every, everybody out there doing their thing has so much more to learn. So just, you know, stay, stay a student and, you know, drop, drop the ego.
0: I think, yeah, I think that's a beautiful sentiment, and I, I can definitely see why you and Nathan get along because uh, <laughs> he—I swear to you—he gave me uh, a very uh, similar, um, very similar response, and and offered many of the same things that you said. You know, he's like, oftentimes I realize I'm maybe possibly the least qualified person to direct a film on set. <laughs> you know, he's like because a lot of times actors and Cameramen and things of that nature have done so many other things and they work a lot more than the director does because a director yeah. is stuck on it. Well, not stuck, he is knee deep or she is knee deep in a process for a year, maybe two years. That's no, very, very true. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, an actor it, may it, have it. done four projects in that same time and they've got to work with four times as many people they get to see different things they get to see you know oh man you wouldn't believe this camera rig setup that i saw on this film over here where they, they had done this and they were uh, implementing this and then these things that they were able to do with the green screen and then over on this film they did this so you get to pull a lot of different things that a lot of times directors don't get to have so much of that experience it's very and, true very true so i think it's cool yeah it's I think with anything man you should be a lifelong learner like especially as an educator myself you know if if I am to make material contemporary for my students how in the shit can I do that if I stop learning and growing myself if I exactly. stop I have to be a student of everything I got to watch TV I got to watch film and I got to keep up with the music somewhat I don't have to love all of it but I should at least know what's going on and keep my my finger on the pulse of the world because that's where they live. That's where they're, I can't meet them where they are. If I don't know where the hell that, that place they are is. So I I love that sentiment. Um, One of the ways that I like to end these conversations is I love to know the things that inspired people. Um, I love to know if it's a person, if it's multiple people, if it's something that happened in their life, just the things that pushed them into that, uh, that medium, that field, uh, because I know for you, um, I knew you from a previous life, uh, you were doing something completely <laughs> different than what you're doing now. Um, and I'm just curious to see what pushed you into doing this.
3: Um, I, I, I honestly, what inspired me to do this, I mean, I, I think it was just always this kind of Born need. I mean, I, I I guess it was. I mean, not not to get too sappy and emo, but I mean, I think you know, <laughs> as a as a kid, but uh, just loneliness, really. You know, I mean, I was I was a very introverted kid, and I, you know, I had friends and stuff, but I spent so much time um, just being so uncomfortable and awkward, and uh, with a feeling of not belonging. Um, and you know, I, I I felt like I truly belonged in my bedroom. Watching movies or reading comic books where I where I was immersed in something else um, I felt like I belonged then. if I you know out in the world no, nah, No, nah, not not so much. I think it's just kind of that that loneliness and and need uh, need to feel at home somewhere and uh, I think that's just something I always kind of pursued um, and then now uh, you know, as, as we change and we grow and we evolve, um, what inspires me now more than ever is is uh, and not to do the sappy cliche thing, but my children um, inspire me in every every single possible way to be to be a better person, to work harder, to 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 try to do better work and achieve greater things, and understand the world more and gather as much knowledge and experience as I can so I can try to pass that on through them. And I just, I see them and I see all the magic and wonder in their eyes that they, that they see as children. And, and I want to help create that kind of magic and wonder both for them and for any audience that, that may be, uh, may have eyes on whatever I'm doing. Um, I I don't know if that's a bit of an abstract answer, but that's, that's what came out of my mouth just now so.
0: god, your answer for your inspiration was so wrong god <laughs> 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 no there that's that's the beauty of that that question for me man it's just so many people take so many different um courses and and different life trajectories to to get to this point to where they're they're doing something that's so special to them and it No, there's no wrong answer there. That was was fantastic. And it doesn't sound cheesy at all because I I understand, like, I don't have children of my own. But, you know, again, you know, I talk about being an educator because it's not just a job, Mm. Uh, it's very much an identity for me. And I realized once I stepped in front of those kids in that classroom that, especially now, I I work at a school that is is predominantly students of color, Um, Mm. 67% students of color. Um, We have, um, 35 different languages spoken in our school uh, a and kid. a lot of, yeah. And a lot of black students and a lot of poor students. And I felt like, or especially now, um, with everything going on in the world, uh, with people protesting the treatment of in- individuals in their communities, the treatment by the police officers and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I realized I couldn't stay home, um, because I got to speak for them. Mm-hmm. and I have to be a representation of them. I have an entire lesson for my students. I teach humanities, and we have an entire uh, unit that we learn about black protest songs. That's beautiful. And, I, you know, I showed the kids Kendrick Lamar's All Right, which was for the Ferguson, Missouri uh, situation. Then we had Nina Simone, uh, Blood, on the, Blood on the Leaves, which is a fucking powerful song, mm-hmm. um, and exposed these kids to things that they hadn't thought about. They hadn't seen, you, me and you are probably really familiar with the, the situation that happened in Charlottesville, you know, where the guy went down and ran down the protesters in his vehicle. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. And my students had never seen it yeah. because, you know, it's hard for me to realize that in 2016, they were 11. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know anything about it. And so I get to have those, A, difficult conversations, but important ones.
3: No, oh, you have a powerfully important job right now, and well, I mean, all the time, but especially right now. So, um, hats off to you, man, because that's a that's that's an enormous responsibility, but also such a tremendous honor that you have. So, kudos to you, man. Huge cheers.
0: Yeah. So, so when you say you know you, you're doing it for your kids, like I get yeah, it. You get that. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I get it because you know I'm, I'm just. I don't understand the world right now, you know, and I just try to be the best representation of humanity that I can for those 150 kids on a daily basis. I try to be consistent, and I try not to be full of shit. <laughs> you know, I tell them things, and you know, I'm like, "You can be the change," and and then just go sit my ass up at home on the couch while we literally stand on the precipice of change. And I don't mean to make this like too much of a thing, but I, it is something, and. I think the performing arts is beautiful for that because we're able to hear black voices and we're able to see people like Jordan Peele, who's out here doing things uh, that nobody's ever seen. Like Nathan, again, I'll reference him because he made so many beautiful points. He made a film with a thing that we had never seen, a black family going on vacation, just being a black family. They weren't thugs. They weren't bank robbers. They weren't drug dealers. There's none of that bullshit. None of those typical stereotypical characters that they so often get put into. They were just a family on vacation in a horror movie. And he was like, I wanted to cry. He's like, it might sound silly. He's like, but it was amazing. Cause I'd never seen it before. And I was like, <laughs> when he t- said that, I go, damn dude, you're right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as sad as that is, you're right. And so I think it's beautiful that, that people like you can get out and create this wonderful entertainment. People like Nathan can go out and create wonderful entertainment and people like Jordan Peele can go out and do things and show individuals in that community that there are so many more things that they could ever do that they maybe had never imagined because they, they hadn't seen what that pathway had looked like before. So I know they got, got off the rails there, but it's not cheesy at all. I think it's beautiful that, you're living to be that for your kids because I know in my eyes, my father was Superman and yeah. he did no wrong, you know, and I, I admired everything that he did. And I'm sure that if you're doing it right, your kids are probably seeing you in that same light. So oh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it, man. So, um, dude, I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's awesome uh, that uh, you took the time to sit down with me. Um, I also would like to give you an opportunity, I know with the COVID, uh, with the Ocalypse, whatever you want to call it, Coromageddon, uh, <laughs> it's kind of derailed a lot of stuff for people, especially performers. But if you have yeah. anything that you ha- have coming up, anything that you would like to share and promote, feel free.
3: Um, well, I, I have stuff uh, on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, Loss Prevention, I think, is on there. I have a short called The Cold Season. Uh, that I did is available on Amazon prime. Really, really nice little short film. I think it's like a 10, 12 minute short film done by a very young, um, filmmaker. Uh, uh, let's see, what else do I have? Um, I know the, uh, the dream motel is a faith based, uh, series, um, dropped recently. I'm in episode four on that. It's kind of like a twilight zone thing for the, for the faith based community. And then again, the dark is going to be dropping, um, I'm getting the details on that soon, so so follow me on social media and you'll find out when the dark drops. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be a fun one. Uh, and as far as next production, I'm doing a boxing movie in Miami called uh, Tasmanian Devil. Um, so um, I, I play the the bad guy in that, so I have to get in fighting shape, like literally. So nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's the next thing. And then that's, that's about it. You know, things are kind of slow right now because of the, the COVID um, shutdown, but uh, hopefully, you know, things get rolling, rolling real well here soon.
0: Yeah. I hope so, man. Um, again, thank you for your time, brother. I appreciate you. My pleasure.
3: No, thank you very much.